Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, the amazing crown expert, Jamie Wilkerson. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm calling you the crown expert because we've been talking about The Crown, that Netflix series, and I know you've dived in. I've dived all the way in. And, and you're not just watching it on TV. You're you're fact-checking on the side. Yes. I mean, you're into it. I'm totally with you on this. Yes, it's been good. I've read a story in the news that Google has observed that whenever Netflix drops a new series of The Crown, what they'll do is 10 episodes at a time will be made available, that whenever that happens, their search engine is harnessed by people watching The Crown. In other words, all of a sudden, the search, the, the number one searches relate to things that are happening in The Crown. Because when you watch it, it just makes your mind run wild, like, well, wait a minute, I want to know more about that, or who was that person? Oh, I thought I was the only one, so that's good to hear. <laughs> no, you, <laughs> that's kind of comforting, actually. No, I thought I, I was becoming obsessed. No, I think you're a connoisseur <laughs> of of knowledge and history. And The Crown is about history. I mean, it's the story of Queen Elizabeth II and her reign uh, over the United Kingdom. And she's also the head of state in 16 other what they call realms, like she's the Queen of Canada, too. So, I mean, it's a job. And even people who think, well, the British Empire isn't all that anymore, and it's not, still, she has a job. It's a big-time job, and it spans the globe. And I don't know about you, Jamie, but as I watch The Crown, and the story is fictionalized to some extent, though it's, it's anchored on headlines that we know are true, I've just been kind of awakened to the reality that living in a palace isn't always that easy. Like, yeah, it's no, not that no, glamorous. It's, it's, it's just not a, a bed of roses. Right. Uh, there are challenges. There are responsibilities. One of the striking things about the portrayal of Elizabeth, the queen, is that she's duty-bound. She lives in a box, kind of, with her sense of duty that causes her to define her relationships, even with her own children, differently than she might otherwise. I mean, it's not easy. I've also learned that even if you're the Queen of England, as people would refer to Elizabeth, uh, and we think, well, she's not really wielding power, she's not the Prime Minister, she doesn't make policy decisions, she's still going to have a lot of courage. I mean, think about this woman. She's 95 years old this year. I don't think anyone would say she's a coward. She has weathered storms. She has stood tall. Uh, she has not been pushed around in a way. She has a way of asserting herself, but it requires a certain level of courage. Okay, thinking about that, if you can think in history, are there other people who have worn a crown that you've studied that you'd say, oh, I know some kings or queens that have been all about courage? You know, David is one, but oh. also Queen Esther. <laughs> Just throw that in there. <laughs> in the Bible, Queen Esther is an outstanding figure yes. who uh, kind of assumes some big risks to oh, do yeah. the right thing. And then there's that King David guy. Yes. Wow. Let's talk about David and the crown. All right.
King David is a guy who wore a crown, and uh, he had to have a lot of courage in the world in which he lived, and his life wasn't a bed of roses either. I mean, he, he had a lot of responsibility. He had a lot of opportunity. Uh, he didn't always play by the rules and sometimes uh, made deep mistakes. But whatever you say about David, we'd have to say he was a man of courage. I mean, this guy wrote the book on courage. And his story, as disclosed in Scripture, kind of begins with a courageous episode, doesn't it? It's the famous story of David and... Goliath. Goliath. My okay. favorite Bible story. I mean, who's named their boy Goliath lately? I mean, do you know anybody <laughs> who did that? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, because when you say the name Goliath, what comes to mind? I mean, I see a brute. I mean, I see a, a beast. Bully. I see a bully. Yeah. I see a big guy. A I mean, villain. He's you know, the villain. And a villain. And he's uh, self-preoccupied. Mm-hmm. He's boastful. Uh, he thinks everything's about him. And because he's had physical prowess, because somehow he was born and grew into a man of physical stature and power, he thinks he can do what he wants. He thinks he can just, you know... Say sp- and do what he wants. <laughs> say and do what he wants. He can speak down or speak down to anybody. He is all that in his own head. And actually... Lots of other people are buying it, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, because he presents himself as all that, there are other people who say, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not challenging him because look at who he is and how he talks and how he moves and works. And hey, I'm leaving that guy alone. I'm out of his way. The story of David and Goliath. Let's read it. story of David Goliath. It's in the book called 1 Samuel in the 17th chapter. Hey, Jamie, take it away. The stage has been set. (laughs) David's a a young guy. We don't know how old he is, but I'm going to guess he's a teenager. And he's come to the camp of the Israelite army where Saul is the king. His older brothers are all there. They're in the army, so to speak. And David is showing up and discovering that Goliath is standing out there. He's taunting. He's daring. He's spitting out junk. And everybody's cowering. And David shows up and take it from there. Verse 32, what does it say? Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. I'm thinking people are standing around and looking at David and saying, who do you think you are? Oh, yeah. But, you know, David knows exactly who he is. That's the key to the story, isn't it? This is verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. 
I cannot go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals, Goliath yelled. I mean, this guy is one bad dude. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I just feel my confidence rising as I read this. <laughs> Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. hard for me to imagine even that someone imagined this story. In other words, it's not a fairy tale. I mean, the the detail and the vivid reality of the narrative makes me just know it's true. This is history. And David's courage is what jumps off the page at me. Because we all live in a world, don't we, Jamie, where we have Goliaths of a kind. I mean, I, I'm not walking out to a field of battle where I'm going to expect to see a giant of a man, you know, stare me down. But There's stuff I I have to stare down in my world and how I understand it and the voices I listen to and how I interpret my challenges all defines how I'm going to respond to them and whether I can overcome them or not. And David's story is that quintessential real life tribute to the power of courage that's grounded in your faith. David walked into a scene where everybody around him was afraid. I mean, fear was the name of the day, wasn't it? I mean, Goliath was towering. He was powerful. He was boastful. He was a bully. He knew how to wield the sword physically, but also he seemed to be pretty expert at psychology. You know, if I, if I just yell loud enough, if I repeat the same things often <laughs> enough, mm-hmm. people are going to buy it. 
and they will not challenge me. That's what's happened, isn't it? And David is a young person who is refusing to buy the lie because he has a different pair of eyeglasses with which he sees the world. And those are born out of his experience with God. Okay, so what does he tell us about his experience with God already when he walks onto the field? He told him that God was with him when he, you know, slayed the the lion and the bear, and God is with him now. And he told him that God was going to deliver him into his hands. And and like you said, that comes from a, a position of authority in who he was, a confidence in who he was, who God was. And I just couldn't help but to think about the scripture that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, I think fear may come that way too. fear, you know, as the the Israelites were listening to him say over and over again what he was going to do to them, how, you know, how he taunted them. They began to believe that lie. And it reminded me of, you know, sometimes when I have believed lies like that, where, you know, someone may have said, um, you know, you're never going to be able to do whatever it is. And I listen to that and rehearse it and memorize it and meditate on it until it becomes a reality. And with David, his experience was listening to the voice of God. He discerned the voice of God, and that is what he meditated on out in that field. And he saw victory each time. I think you're spot on, Jamie, because uh, what we think about and what we say does have power. And David was thinking about God, and he had experience with God. When you're walking into a battle, you don't want to go in without any experience with God. In other words, growing up, he had experience with God. Throughout his lifetime, to this point, he had a, a, a certain relationship with God that allowed him to trust that God was with him, and he kept his conscience clear. And so he had this kind of clear channel where God was with him. It's, it's a little bit... Uh, Hard to just grasp in a concrete way, but when you experience it, you know the reality of it. And today, we all need to have that lifetime journey. Don't just expect to find courage in the last minute because you've ignored God your whole life. No, day by day, trust God to help you navigate through whatever the challenges are. And in his ordinary day as a shepherd, he had to protect his flock, and that caused him to learn some things about what he could do if he was trusting God. And that prepared him for this minute. Our lives sometimes are preparation for this minute. And walk today, even if you're not facing Goliath today, walk in a way that you're experiencing God prayerfully, in his word, listening. And then when Goliath shows up, you'll be so much more bold. There's another thing about David's story that really strikes me, and that is he seemed to be in full command of the moment. In other words, he was not intimidated because of his courage, but another way of looking at that is he commanded the stage. He commanded the moment. He commanded Goliath. Goliath was not impressed at first and actually wasn't impressed until he fell. But (laughs) David knew how to command the stage. And 
I just am thinking there's nothing that gives you a greater sense of command in any moment than when you believe you're doing the right thing for the right reasons. Because David had a clear sense of what God was calling him to do and what needed to be done, what was right for his country and his people, his community, his family, for his faith. And in that conviction of clarity, he knew he was doing the right thing for the right reasons. And that gives you courage, even in the face of a Goliath. But I have to observe also, just because I think it's right doesn't necessarily mean it is. And this is back to David's experience. He was able to discern what was right because he already walked with God. Sometimes people believe things are right and they're not. And they'll do things thinking, well, that's what I should be doing because this is right. But they haven't been walking with God. And so they can be led astray. All of us have to be in that grounded walk with Jesus when we're the shepherd boy, when we're walking back to the camp, when I'm going back out with the sheep, when I'm growing up, when I am going through my daily life. Wherever you are starting on this spiritual journey, make it a daily journey so that you will know what is right as you do the right thing. In the same way David fought Goliath, the son of David, Jesus Christ, fights down our Goliaths today. Jesus is was never intimidated by um, the enemy, and neither should we be. Jesus uh, always stood up to the bad guys, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all the forces of the Roman Empire could not keep him down. And honestly, that should empower us with courage, too, because today... Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. And I'm understanding that to mean when Goliath shows up, I'm with you. When that big, bad bully is across the valley from you, I am with you. When all the world is saying, you can't do anything about that. Uh, No, that's the way it is. Uh, You can't challenge that. When all the world is believing something that actually is a lie and has no grounding in the truth, Jesus says, I'm with you. Don't you worry. Because the truth always finds a way, and the truth of my power and victory will always prevail. I mean, there's something energizing, Jamie, isn't there? About it's thinking, so energizing. Jesus is with me. Yes. Jesus, the son of David, he's got a slingshot out. And mm-hmm. I may not be such a good aim, but if I'll just stand right by him, he'll move my arm to pull back the tension on that slingshot to let that stone go just exactly where it needs to go. I'm not suggesting we should pull out weapons. (laughs) I am suggesting that you can trust Jesus. Don't cave to the lie. Don't surrender to the oppression. Don't just lay down and say, well, there's nothing we can do about that big bad thing. No. Jesus will help us take the Goliaths down. worship you, I worship you, 
today. Are you facing a, a Goliath in your world? Uh, is there somebody in your working place? Maybe in your home, maybe on your street, maybe in your town. Maybe it's not a person, maybe it's a circumstance where the devil himself has dressed up in some circumstance to make you think that you are beaten and a loser. Whatever it is, however the enemy of our souls is standing in front of you, 
we're here to tell you that just the way that David prevailed over that Goliath long ago, Jesus can come into you, remake you, and empower you to overcome whatever wickedness is in your world right now too. You can do it with the weapons that Jesus uses, with the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. He can put on your whole armor and he will help you win the battle. Don't surrender. Don't give up. You have a future. There's a new day. And guess what? Maybe God is calling you to stand up to that Goliath, not just for yourself, but for others around you, just like David. A people was set free, consequent to his courage. Want to get there? You can start right now. Join us with a prayer. Just take a deep breath and pray with us. God is listening. Our Father, I pray that you will walk with us in a way that we can see you day by day. I surrender, Lord, and I invite those praying with me to surrender their lives day by day, to experience your presence and your power. I pray, Lord, that if there's a Goliath standing in front of any of us just now, some giant of a thing that the world tells us there's no way to overcome, that you will come alongside and whisper in our ears, I can overcome this Goliath for you and with you. I pray, Lord, that we will surrender our lives into your hand. May you empower us with courage and capacity beyond ourselves because we have surrendered into your hand. We admit, Lord, that we need you. We thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross and it is by his blood shed on the cross that we ask to be born again, remade and empowered to do good and great things. I ask, Lord, that the world will be better even in the next 30 days because we today made a decision. We will not surrender to the lie of Goliath. Jesus, work through us, we pray. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, what did I just listen to? Is is that really possible? That's crazy talk. No, no, no. You give us a call. If you have a question, a comment, a prayer concern, whatever's on your heart, call us up right now. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We've got somebody right by the phone. Our number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. But Jamie, I know somebody may have something going on in their head, but they're thinking, I'm not calling up and talking to a person, but maybe they'd send us an email. Where can they find us online? They can find us at www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's right, CBH. Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's exactly who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. You may be accessing this uh, broadcast on social media. And if that's the case, well, just put a comment in the social media feed. We're following that too. Or at the last, if you prefer, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you... Give us a call, check us out online, use social media, or write me a letter by the post. Reach out and let us hear from you this week. Jamie, take courage. I will. Thanks so much for coming (laughs) alongside. And hey, be careful because that next season of The Crown is going to come pretty soon. I can't wait. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you'll be with us again next week as we continue our series, Unpacking the Crown and also the life of King David. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries. This is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.